Well, obviously, this is the 4th of July weekend. I'm not sure when you get to celebrate it. If you already did, you've got to go back to work tomorrow, or maybe tomorrow's your day off. But we just want to say a few things in, in parallel with the Word of God. We have remained free in our nation for well over 200 years. And it has absolutely everything to do, and a lot to do, I guess, with our well-trained men and women of our armed services. Where would we be? Seriously, where would we be if it wasn't for those who dedicated their lives, absolutely dedicated their lives, uh, in, in many cases sacrificed their lives in order for you and I to be free, to have freedom, free. You are free, absolutely free. No matter what you did yesterday or where you sat around and watched fireworks, somebody was in harm's way keeping you and me free. We pray that we never, ever forget that. That reminds me of this opening text I want to use in John 8, verse 36. I'm going to parallel it with what you and I have experienced as a nation, also to our walk. If the Son, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, the Word of God says. If the Son, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that word free means set at liberty. And we know that that's what our nation has done for the people in Europe, France, liberated, attempting to do that in Iraq and other countries and nations that we have fought in for freedom. And the the Word of God says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Meaning, set at liberty, also means from the dominion of sin. To be free from the dominion of sin or another's control, which we know is the enemy, who loves to control us. If the Son has set you free, then God says you will be free indeed. So we see in the Word of God that the Word of God makes us free. The Lord Himself, who is the Word, sets us free. And so I've entitled, uh, titled this morning's message, Free in 09. Free in 09. Not sure if all of us will be free in 2010. Because you can be tricked up by the enemy and you can be brought back into his grips. And so we're going to parallel this and just see what the Word of God says about the Son. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But it also tells us in Second Timothy, God tells me, in meekness instructing those, listen, that oppose themselves. That we can oppose ourselves in what we call this freedom that God has given us. And so the Word of God comes through Timothy, or through Paul to Timothy, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, preadventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they, listen, may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. We start off this walk free. When we come to Christ and we bring all our garbage, 
and all our junk to Him and all our bondages and handcuffs and He sets us free. If you go to the Son, you will be free indeed, the Bible says. But then God warns us, be careful, because there is an enemy that's coming around with his handcuffs and with his bow and change and all his different things to bring you back into captivity. And so God tells us to instruct the folks that uh, that oppose themselves when you let the enemy in. Any way, anyhow he can get in, he will get in. And so that is called opposing ourselves. And then he'll come and take you captive. Listen, at his will, he comes and takes you captive at his will. Anytime the enemy wants. So we lose our freedom whenever we waver from the word of God. Whenever we decide that you know how to walk this walk. Whenever you think somehow you can take the controls back from God. You are wavering from God. You are slipping back into bondage by the enemy. Galatians even tells us, Oh, foolish Galatians, is what Paul says to them. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Or who has charmed you? Sometimes it can be a smooth word or, or something slick that the enemy brings your way. You think you have the ability or the, a good handle on this word of God. What would it be like if our military personnel all of a sudden decide to just do what they wanted without instructors, without drill instructors, without captains in change of command, that they figured, I've been in this army long enough, I know what to do. And they didn't follow orders precisely how they were given through the chain of command. It would be chaos, absolute chaos. And so God says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said, how could you not be uh, following the truth now? And he goes on and says, are you so foolish? Now listen, verse 3, this is where we can be as Christians. When you walk this walk... And you've heard messages, and you have plenty of music and songs and worship services that you've been in. Many times you've placed yourself at the altar. He goes, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You understand, the only way that you can stay free is if the Son sets you free. Not you just understanding the concepts of freedom, or understanding the Word of God. It has to be a move of the Spirit of God. You have to continually walk in the obedience to the Word of God to remain free. You've started this thing in the Spirit because you became born again. Your dead spirit was born again. And all of a sudden, you started lining up with the Word of God and being obedient to God. But sometimes after a time, we get familiar with the Word of God. We lay down the very nourishment that we need to continue to walk this walk. And we walk it in the flesh. Instead of in the Spirit, we do that. That's exactly what this is telling us not to do. I forgot to thank all of you who sent me uh, birthday wishes and Facebook birthday wishes. And thank you, thank you, thank you. 
But it got me to remind myself of my past years. And I went all the way back to boot camp. When I was in boot camp in 1968, okay, it was only one person that was nice enough to say you're 60 years young. All that 60 years old stuff. But in 1968, I went to boot camp. I was in the United States Air Force. I was a new recruit. We were green, all of us. We were rookies. I don't know if they still call you this in the Air Force, but they used to call us rainbows. That's what we were. That was our great uh, uh, thing. And I was uh, a new recruit. I was green. I was this rookie. I had this um, five foot eight sergeant, five foot eight wide, screaming and hollering at me, calling me a rainbow, and I was wishing I was home. The drill instructor told me everything, absolutely everything I had to do. I couldn't think on my own. I wasn't allowed to do anything I wanted to do. In fact, he used to tell us, scream to us, that you are so dumb. You recruits, you bunch of rainbows are so dumb, you don't know anything. That is why I have to spend my entire life teaching you dumb recruits. How to be Air Force people. How to be men. Soldiers. He gave his life to be this drill instructor to me. And I just wrote some of the things down I can remember. He told me when I had to get a haircut. And he told me what kind of haircut. And he also told me how often I had to get it cut. He didn't say, did you like this new style or that new style? They had one style. And if you were in the military, you shared that style with me. Who was in the military anyway? Let me see. Well, not too many. He told me when to get up. And he told me when to go to bed. A man. I was still a man even though I was young. Get up, get up, get up. And then he went, lights out, lights out. You're going to bed. Told me when to get up. And he told me when to go to bed. Listen to this. He told me what clothes I had to put on every morning. Every morning there was a sign on a tripod in the middle of our alleyway, whatever it was, and it said, the clothing for the day was fatigues. And you didn't go, I feel like dressed blues, or I feel like greens, or Bermudas, or whatever. You did exactly what they said. Every day you did what your drill instructor, the one who is to mold you into a soldier for the nation of the United States. Every day, he told me. He told me what I was going to eat and when I was going to eat. And he told me this, and how I was going to eat. We got our food. You didn't walk. Yeah, I'll take some of that. I'll take some of this. It was snap, boom, snap, boom. And they put, you didn't go a little bit more, please. You didn't do anything. You didn't go, I didn't like that. You didn't. And when you went to your table, you just didn't stand. You stood there and waited until everybody, how many your table had, were standing there. And all of a sudden, you had to do it by cadence. Down. And you had to eat. And you had to get together. Unified. Soldier. He told me how he wanted my clothes to be worn. He told me how he wanted them folded. 
in inches, absolute inches mattered. Or your uh, drawer went flying through the air because you didn't do it right. Inches. Little things matter to the United States Air Force. Now, you should be making a, a parallel. He even told me I was going to give blood. He didn't ask me. I'm thinking it's my blood. And I might have even said that, but he told me, Rainbow, you have no rights. The United States government owns you. You're giving blood. And that's the way it was in the military. I can't remember all the rest that went on. But First Chronicles 6, or First Corinthians 6 says this. It's almost like the, the drillist doctor saying, What? Know ye not? I mean, they were in your ear going, Ep, 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 you walk like a duck. Come on, get it together. Making me a soldier. Drilling me. Drill sergeant. Okay, and Paul writes, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Listen, if you are claiming to be a Christian, to the best of your ability, you've had a real turnaround experience with God. He says this, don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, meaning the Holy Ghost is in you, which you have of God? And by the way, it's not your own. Does it sound like my drill instructor? He says, it's not your own. Listen, buddy, he goes, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. My underwear belong to the Air Force. My shoes belong to the Air Force. My socks belong to the Air Force. I had a chain around my neck that belonged to the Air Force. The bed I slept in. They're saying, hey, Rainbow. United States Air Force owned. You are property of the United States government. And man, we performed. In about eight, ten weeks, we were one unit. He just had a bark, a word. We were like one. Now, you, you want to stay free? You can already see how our nation is crumbling. Because there's so many voices. One barks this, one goes that way, one goes this way. But I'm talking about as a Christian, as a man of God and a woman of God. Where is that spirit that is inside of you going when you drop? It's going back to its owner. Do you understand? Chad, you are breathing and living. Because Almighty God, as His own free will accord, put inside you the Spirit of God. And God says, when you die, absent from the body, that Spirit's going back to Almighty God. You understand, the Lord owns you. Your body, soul, and spirit are God's. Are God's. And can He tell you stuff like this? Stranger drill sergeant was telling me, could he tell you what to wear? Can he? Like this drill sergeant? 
was screaming in my ear. Jeremiah 18 says, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And if God doesn't cause us right now to hear his words, you won't hear them. Because you understand without God, what can we do? There you go. Say that again. Without God, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. So God said this word cause. I thought I would just look it up because I will cause thee. That means to hear with attention or interest or listen to. You can tell, right, when you're talking to somebody and they have been distracted by something else, whether it's a conversation, a person, a thing, or their child's running, and you're just talking and talking, they're going, I'm going, God, please cause us to listen to the Word of God today. Jeremiah 18.3, this is God now. He's he's supposed to own you. Okay, Whether you want to relate to him as a drill sergeant, I'm not really talking about that, but just kind of make it a parallel how we snap to in man's military. He says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and, behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it, again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. Are you understanding that? Just as he would take that clay and smash it and crack it and put water on it, make it pliable, form something, didn't like it, and start all over. God said, cannot I do that with you? Now, you have to try to figure out whether you want to stay free. If you don't want to stay free, you can stiffen up. And you will not become what God wants to make you and form you. Isaiah 45, 9 in the New Living Translation simply says this. Listen to the words now. Destruction is certain for those who argue with their Creator. Now, my children can testify to that. I mean, destruction came to their backside many times because they argued with the Creator. I mean, I am their father. And I can... Completely understand this. Can you imagine arguing with Almighty God? But we do. And so the Word of God simply says, destruction is certain for those who argue with their Creator. Does a clay pot ever argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with one who shapes it, saying, stop, you are doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy? Can you be? Man, you're, you're talking about talking to God. Can you imagine getting them words out of your mouth? Can you imagine saying that to your father if you had a decent, half-decent father? Man, I wouldn't be saying that to my dad. I couldn't talk to my dad like that when his strength went down and mine went up. When he was feeble and I wasn't. When I was helping him because he was shaky, I still couldn't talk to my dad like that. 
The Bible says, listen, destruction is certain. You want to stay free in this walk? Then you have to keep constantly submitting yourself to the Spirit of God and not take over. Because you have a pretty good idea how this thing works. The only good idea I have is in how to do nothing. Because that's what God says I can do without Him. That's what I'm good at. Nothing. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. This is not a, a, you know, a little humble, oh, isn't He awesome? No, I'm telling you, that's what I can accomplish without God, is nothing. That's the kind of marriage I would have without God. Nothing. It's the kind of children we would have produced without God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because that's what God says. It was the drill instructor's job to make me a soldier. No matter how green, how weird I was, how out of shape I was, it was his job. And God has sent us the Holy Ghost. John 14, 26 tells us, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remember whatsoever I have said unto you. And that was the drill instructor's job. To fold my socks a certain way, my shoe polish lid, you know, not the liquid, the wax, you take the lid off, it had to shine. He had to see his face in it. Not any black, nothing in it at all. Had to see his shiny face. They had to have a knot tied a certain way on my bed, and it had to be two or three fingers away from the, I forget how all it was. And all which seemed absolutely ridiculous to this all-knowing green recruit. becomes vital to understanding what a soldier is. And when God deals with you with meaningless little things that you think are meaningless, you must, you must submit to the Spirit of God. Don't you ever feel God going... I mean, you're not even planning on doing nothing wrong. You're, you're not even thinking of doing anything wrong. And then all of a sudden, something comes your way, a thought, you change channels, whatever it is, you see something, and all of a sudden you feel, that's the Spirit of God. Cannot He tell you? Him, not man. Man wants to tell you what to wear. Man wants to tell you how to cut your hair. Man wants to tell you. I'm talking about the Spirit of Almighty God who knows everything. If you remember the opening text, God says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free. Indeed. But you've got to maintain that walk with Almighty God. And He sent the Spirit of God, and He said, He shall teach you all things. Can you still remember your beginning years of serving God? I had no knowledge at all of God. Yet instantly, he started cleaning up my mouth. Instantly. There wasn't anybody, uh, uh, religious organization saying, now you can't cuss, you can't swear, you can't say that word. Ooh, naughty, naughty. It just instantly started cleaning up my mouth. 
The Spirit of God, instantly. He dealt with pride immediately in my life. He started dealing in no time on how to be a real husband and father to my children. Somewhere along the way, we seem to take over. We seem to figure out, like, we, we know what we are doing. And that's when we end up back in bondage and trouble again. Messed up again. The first part of Proverbs 28, 26 says this. Please listen. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. That's what the Bible says. Does that offend you? That's the Word of God. Man, I look at that and say, right on. You are on. If I trust in my own heart, that can be swayed by so many things. How I feel. Rainy day. One look from Ruth. Uh, a bill unplanned in the mailbox. The car going. <clears throat> I mean, I could be swayed by so many things in my heart. God says a fool trusts in that heart. You must trust in the word of God in order to remain free. Free. From these various things that want to damn your soul. We have messed up the gospel. Because we have taken over. When we feel like we can kind of handle it. I mean, we can. We teach prosperity all the time instead of godliness with contentment is what? It's what? It's what? Great. Great gain. Wouldn't you hear that? Who teaches that? Where's that at on those TVs that you watch? When's the last time you heard that? Godliness. We don't. Don't hear that stuff. We teach success instead of total surrender. Total surrender, God. Total surrender. We teach success in the ministry. How many's running in your Sunday school? Uh, how many people you got? And God says it's total surrender. Total surrender. We've messed it up, and so therefore we're not free. We haven't been free to have great moves of God that we need desperately. Sweet moves of God that we must have. Our nation is dying. Zechariah says this. He answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's the only way this thing's going to be done. It's the only way we're going to be set free and be able to display the majesty and the power and the glory of our God. Is to get the flesh out of it. Flesh out. You have begun in the spirit. God says, how foolish can you be thinking you're going to be finish this thing in the flesh? The Holy Ghost is God. God. As a man, Jesus depended on the power of the Holy Ghost. Could the church, could we now be walking in our own ability, in our own knowledge of the Scriptures? Could we, walk, could we be trusting in our own understanding 
and not simply the Word of God. Told you I've been praying for months now. God, I want wisdom, but not earthly wisdom. I don't want earthly knowledge. I don't want earthly understanding. I want wisdom and knowledge and understanding from above. Please, God, from above. Because everything that we're walking through and going through and seeing is from above. The state of the nation, states going bankrupt, the whole thing, country, war, more more missiles yesterday, seven more missiles yesterday. God, I want wisdom from above. I want knowledge and understanding from you, God. Jeremiah simply says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, seek and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. And I'm going to stop there. You can read the rest. But we're not saying that. They said they will not walk. I'm saying, I will, God. I will. If you strengthen me, and you give me the guts I don't have, I will, God. I will. I want to finish this thing in the Spirit, not just start. I want to finish. So I can remain free. There are many things out there attempting to subdue me and bring me back under. Many. Christ is the great liberator, is he not? Romans 8, 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. It has made me free. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. If I waver from that, I'm going right back into captivity again. I'm going right back into sin again. My walk will be dragging the ball, chain, and sin. It's Christ that has liberated me. Galatians 5. And here, look, here's where I think all of us can fall into. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free. Christ, if the Son of God has set you free, you'll be free indeed. So he says here, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We can't handle that outside of Christ. We go right into it, right back to the pig's mire, right back to the dog's vomit. If we leave that path that God has us on, that's the only thing we do. That's what we do. And God says, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Way back then, it was Christ plus something else. Christ plus circumcision. Christ plus work, some work of the flesh, some idea of a man, some something, something. We've got to do something else, right? And Paul is saying, if that's where you're at, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ, listen, Christ becomes of no effect unto you. No effect! The Word of God has no effect on you when somewhere along the way you start walking this thing in the flesh. Whether you want to call it circumcision, works, whatever you want to call this thing. All of a sudden you think you can start handling this and you're counting more on yourself than you on the Word of God. God says, Christ 
has become of no effect unto you. Now, how can you sit in the presence of God or read the Word of God and be unaffected? That's frightening. That is scary. How many times have you prayed, oh, if my son would just get right with God, but he just gets right with God, he just gets right with God, and seems like he does, but it has no effect on him. What else could you pray for? Well, there isn't another plan. There isn't another book. Christ becomes of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Grace. Are you listening? I'm almost done. Grace is God's divine ability to move upon your heart and to reflect it in your life. That's what grace is. It's not to do whatever you want when you want. Just say, oops, sorry. Grace is God's divine ability. When you want to waver, God says, hold up, hold up. Come on. When you want to slip, God says, no, 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 no. Gotcha. It's God's divine ability to move upon this heart. God's. And then to reflect it in my life. Why would I ever want to take over? When you do that, God says, you have fallen from my divine ability. You have fallen from my grace. And that's why we have chaos. And that's why we hardly have any moves of God. Circumcision is a type of work, something in addition that you have to do. Michael, would you please come? So Galatians 3, again, simply states, To me, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you, na- are you now made perfect by the flesh? When God started cleaning me up, it was a work of God. I mean, all of a sudden, cussing didn't sound like it used to. It sounded gross and filthy and horrible. That's the work of the Spirit. I didn't do that in the flesh. And the pride that he dealt with inside of me, things that I had esteemed and honored highly in my life, God was saying that's repulsive to me. It's repulsive. It's a stench. That's a work of the Spirit. Now here I am, 35 years down the road. Should I take over in the flesh now? Should I trust my own heart and what is repulsive to God? Should I trust in my own ability of what I think is right and wrong, what I see and do and look at? If you want to be free in 2010, if you want to remain free in 2009, it's got to be the son's job. Because he says, if I set you free, you will be free indeed.